Yo, are you ready? I'm fucking ready, baby. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is John Drummond. Welcome to the Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. Recording from our headquarters in Old Town Orange. Welcome to the Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening and tuning in. This is the Hot Rods by Boyd podcast. I'm here with Chris. How are we doing yeah. today? Oh, always good. All right. Well, that's good because we're about to have a good talk with a good guy who's been a longtime friend of the hot rod industry, Mr. John Drummond. Welcome to the show. Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. It's really good to be on, man. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Thank you for taking the time to do this. You know, you're a guy that's uh, been around a long time. You've seen a lot of hot rods, you know, and you've just... Uh, well, we'll get we'll get into all this right now because you know what? As a lot of you listening will know the voice of John and you know what? He's he worked for good guys for many years. Um I mean, you started with back in 1990, right? Yeah, that's right. You know, it's funny. I was just a little snot-nosed kid. Um I had a a Nikon camera and I'd go out to Fremont Drag Strip and I would take photos and you know what's really funny is I got my start in hot rod journalism by making a fake press pass nice <laughs> wait wait so is 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 that bef- that's before you got the gig at good guys that was before i got the good uh, gig at good guys because i literally grew up five miles from fremont drag oh Strip. wow so and you- <laughs> and so i <laughs> so i worked at a i worked at a real estate magazine and they had a typesetter, and they had all these laminator machines. So I swear to God, this is God's honest truth, and I might get arrested for this. But I took the San Francisco Chronicle logo and made a fake Chronicle press pass. Oh, okay? wow. So the track PR guy says, oh, shit, the Chronicle's here. So I swear to God, man, <laughs> I had the balls to do this. I get my little Hawkeye camera. I go out there on the starting line, and I'm with the other photographers, and they're looking me up and down. They're like, who the hell is this guy? Nobody would ever seen me before. So one of the photographers happened to work for the Chronicle. Oh, oh, God. His name was Rich Enos, and he comes up to me and goes, who the hell do you think you are, man? Who sent you here? Oh, so he and I actually ended up becoming really good friends, and he took me to my first ever Good Guys Vintage Drag Race, and that's how I got introduced to the whole Good Guys family. Oh, that's funny. So it it worked in your favor. You did, it, did you get in trouble? It was no, you, I didn't get in. No, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what's funny is I did not. I don't. I hadn't even remembered that is so long. And just talking to you guys brought that memory back. Dude, I'm that's just cracking awesome. up about that. <laughs> well, you were, and you know what, you remember Pete Peterson, right? So uh, absolutely. So, so Pete, Pete was the guy, and, and and there's so many stories of Pete, but. You know, uh, for people that don't know, Pete, uh, they called him Purple Pete. He was a red-faced guy with the white hair, uh, curly hair that drove my dad's uh, big rigs around for years. And he would, he worked his way into the Winter Nationals at NHRA over here in Pomona by bringing a, a box of donuts. And he'd walk up and he'd say, hey, I got the donuts. And then he just made friends with the people at the gate. <laughs> and, 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 and he'd be the guy at SEMA where he, he was like, Chris, listen. I go, because Pete, you're not going to be able to get these cars back here. And he goes, Chris, you just got to act like you're supposed to be here. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he people would stop him, and he just put point. And he's like, no, 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 we're going back to – and he'd point and just keep moving. Yeah. And he's like, see? Yeah, I know where I'm, I know where I'm going. Just keep doing yeah. that. So, yeah, right? You, 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 you got your fake press pass, and you're acting – you got your little Nikon. You're acting like you're supposed to be there. Yeah. Exactly. And, but you know what's funny? Okay, so Pete – oh, my God. I go way back with Pete. You know, Pete never didn't have a beer in his hand. I mean, that guy, he knew where the Coors Silver Bullets were buried in any <laughs> ice chest on the entire fairgrounds, man. <laughs> and, That's funny. You know what's so funny, too, is I i mean, Pete was such a mooch for passes at the good guys shows. We literally had like a, a two-inch stack of passes for Pete, man. It was like a deck of cards. <laughs> oh, you know, going, going on the road with Pete. He was he was the so the, some of those awnings on some of those trailers back in the day took for they took a couple hours to set up 
right? And there's yeah. big aluminum oh, yeah. poles and shit and all this stuff. And he'd be like, oh, oh, hey, Chris, get up on top there. And then he goes, okay, you know what to do. And once he figured out you know what to do, he's like, you know what? We need a screwdriver. I'll be back. And he, you're right. He would come back with a Coors Light with the screwdriver, and you'd be done with the, setting everything up. That's just kind of. <laughs> he was a master. Oh, and, you know, he knew somebody in every town. My dad would tell stories of him, like they'd be in some warehouse at Les Schwab or something in the middle of or- Oregon, or you know, and, and then some, a forklift driver jump off the forklift. Oh, my gosh, Pete. Hey, some woman come over and give him a hug. And, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, he was legendary, man. And you know, he was the guy. He was the guy that would go out front, like when Boyd was going to walk somewhere at one of our shows. He would kind of scout the path to where Boyd was going, and he would kind of direct him by who where the where the guys that were going to attack Boyd were, like every ball the autograph house and everything. And he'd say, "No, no, Boyd, you, you got to go this way. There's sharks in the water over there." <laughs> oh yeah, you know what? You I miss guys like him. You know, I mean, just uh, you know what he. But he he was one of those guys you could call him at two in the morning, and he'd be there. You know, he's actually when oh, yeah. when my brother and Mike Curtis got in that accident at El Mirage, um, I was yeah. li- living in my parents' old house. He was the guy that like, I think three or four in the morning he came banging on. He, he drove all the way over that my dad called him. Hey, you got to get hold of Chris, and he went over there and banged on the doors. And I was like, who the hell is this? And it was Pete. It was weird. Yeah, but yeah, no. Great yeah, guy. and you know he he was such a kind soul, and he was such a dedicated worker, as you know. And I mean, that was what it was like in the early '90s. And I'm talking like guys like Pete, guys like Barry Lobeck, guys like Chaporis. I mean, yep. Fat Jack. All these guys were so cool to us kids who were just coming into the industry. And you know, when I when I meet a young guy at a show, whether he's a media guy or a car builder or whatever. I go out of my way to be cool to them because of how cool they were to me when I was yeah. a kid at 25 years old, you know? Well, and, and you know what? Um, I mean, how many, even, even in your 20s, how many weekends a year were you on the road with good guys? Well, back then, I mean, we did bug bashes, muscle car That's shootouts, right, hot the bug shows. shows. Yes. Oh, yeah. And I mean, uh, we were on the road 23, 24 weekends a year. So... You know, and that's something because you're you're on the road, and every other weekend you're with you're you're almost with a lot of the same people, and you know not not people you don't yeah you, know, you know they don't work for good guys, but they are you know they're they're vendors, you know guys like Pete. Oh, I mean I mean there's guys yeah. like, guys like Pete, and you probably there's there probably I mean Pete was a one of a kind, but you, you know there's relationships you have with numerous other people that you see for years. You know? Oh, big time! Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were the Chrome Carnies. I mean, we get there on Wednesday. Chrome Carney. Hey, I love out. that. I've, that's a, I've never heard that one. The Chrome Carnies. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I mean, it was a, it was an absolute family, and we all stayed at the same hotel. We all went out there. You know, on Wednesday we'd start setting up. The fairgrounds was totally empty. Then you'd like if you had a little high speed camera. I mean, you just see the whole fairgrounds fill up over a few days, and then everybody empties out and you know what the funniest thing about the car show business was and i always tripped out on this it took us three and a half days to set up an event and three and a half hours right i mean you know what when they say hey you can tear down at four o'clock or whatever it is guess what by yeah. five by five thirty six o'clock half of the fairgrounds are empty yeah. you know all these vendors are oh, just, yeah. yeah no well i mean it's it's a lot you know people people don't understand it's a lot of work to go to these shows it's a lot of work and it's fun but it, it it's a lot of work so you know it's uh the, the setting up and then and then you're on you're on point like all weekend right talking to people and oh my yeah. god oh yeah i hey, mean look i mean you know i was the mc so and that's cool i had fun doing it and i never got nervous and i knew everybody so it was easy to talk about the people but between the mc work the magazine work the live TV people would come out and they'd want to interview you. Tell us what's going on with the show. I mean, literally between all that and the walkie-talkie communication, oh, yeah. I mean, you were on for 16 hours a day, four days straight. Yeah, and then you're going back on Monday, and you know you did a lot of work uh, with the Gazette, right? So, um, oh yeah, and just, and just and not then planning the other shows and getting ready for the next show. No, that's cool. Yeah, and Metters, let me let me tell you, man, Gary Metters was a hard charger. He never was off the gas. We would literally 
fly home from, like, say, Columbus on Monday morning. We'd land at the Oakland airport at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd get the shuttle. We'd go back to the office because all of our cars were parked there. And he'd be like, where are you guys going? It's not 5 o'clock yet, man. <laughs> we're like <laughs> – It's a travel day. It's a travel day. Come on. Exactly. Oh, man. Eventually, eventually he kind of acquiesced and gave us what he called comp days. Um, when we'd work a show over the weekend, but back in the day, man, we were on the gas. Wow. Yeah. And it, it, you know, a good guys does such a great job of just taking, you know, it's a different show in every city, but it's the same. If you know what I'm saying? Like it's, you guys have that just, it, you have it down, you know, you have, you, yeah. you, you it's almost, yeah. it, it, and it probably makes it, it makes it easier for you guys just to, just to have you opened it up in different cities, you know? with that just the way you guys well it does you know yeah and it's a blueprint you know it's a blueprint i mean you start going to those same events year after year after year you get to know the the hotel people you get to know the police departments you get to know all the fairgrounds people and it's pretty soon just becomes autopilot and you know what's interesting about good guys is they're staff members i mean i was there 28 years harry davies their event directors 20 years ed cape and their sponsor sales guy 21 years Mark Matters, I mean, he was literally born into the uh, yep. seat of his dad's tea, tea bucket. I mean, <laughs> you know, they, there's nobody that does car shows better than good guys. And you could you could take that to the bank, man. Yeah, they're, they're pros at it. They're fun sure. shows, man. They're really fun shows. And um, I'm thankful over the years to just have been, been able to go to a bunch of different shows in a bunch of different cities. And, you know, um, I still like my West Coast shows, though. Right? Like Del Mar. Oh, yeah. And Pleasanton, great shows. Yeah. Did you guys ever? Yeah, great shows. Did you guys ever venture down into the San Diego area, be, uh, other than Del Mar, or has it always been Del Mar? No. No, it yeah. was Del Mar, and I'll tell you how that. I'll tell you how we got there. Um, we started doing a show called the Spring Nationals, which was one of your dad's favorite shows at Pomona, and we started that show in 1990, and it was always in April, and we. We spent 10 years at Fairplex in the spring trying to get that show to grow. And we came to the conclusion that between all the swap meets, between the L.A. Roadsters, all that stuff, that there was just too much car stuff happening at Pomona to really make it special and make it unique. And, I mean, we tried everything in the L.A. market to promote that thing. I mean, we did press junkets. We spent $150,000 on radio and television. And we always got the same number of people. It was 9,000 spectators, no matter what you did, man. If you spent 10 bucks on the radio or 150 grand, you got 9,000 people. Really? We just couldn't figure out that. Yeah, we just couldn't figure it out. And so, and we loved those Fairflex people, Dale Coleman and Melissa, and the people there were so nice to work with. And then finally, we just couldn't get it off the ground, and we just said, we've got to try something else, and we found Del Mar, and just boom, like that, just magic. And that's what's funny about the event business. You know, a lot of it's just lightning in a bottle and luck, because you hit on something like that, and just boom, it, it's a festival. Overnight, it just happens. I never could figure out how Gary would crack that code, but man, he was the best in the world at it. Yeah. And once you capture that magic and people get that vibe, they'll come back for generations. Yeah, and it it Del Mar because uh, Del Mar started what in two thousand ninety nine two thousand yeah yeah it was right around there yeah um, well and you know what I, I look at it like it's Del Mar is a nice spot it's a destination spot it, you know and it's like look you're gonna talk the wife and kids into Pomona one more year or Del Mar right what sounds better right you know you want to go hang right. out with cars by right. the beach or you want to be there in Pomona which it could be you know it's all exactly. as, asphalt exactly. and concrete you know. Yeah, no, don't Yeah, but circling back to... Go ahead. ahead. No, 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 go for it. Well, I just wanted to circle back to Pomona real quick. I do want to give props to John Buck because he has done a really good job with the Grand National Roaster Show. Absolutely. And it's the, the, you know, it's the perfect time of year. It's once a year. um, And he's just, it's where the industry gathers during the winter months. And, you know, I just want to give a shout out to him because I've always liked that show. And let me tell you, when you're doing an indoor car show and everybody's got a new car and everybody wants to be in building four, I mean, there's a lot of massaging you got to do of egos. And, you know, he has carried also the Hall of Fame luncheon and the dinner and he keeps it alive. So, 
you know, I just wanted to give, I know I'm a diehard good guys guy, but I wanted to give them a props because they, they do a nice job with that. And the Fairplex is the right place for that show. No, it is. And, you know, and, and I know weather has affected the Grand National here very, very rarely. It has, but it is, it's one of those spots where people from, I mean, that's an easy sell for anybody, like let's say in every other part of America and Canada, January, California. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Right? Yeah. You're a car. You're a right. car. You're a car person. Of course. I mean, that just makes sense, yeah. right? Yeah. He, yeah. And and then, they, they've done and, a great job. It's 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 they've carried on that show for a while. Uh, I remember just. I mean, just you know, too, going back at twenty, thirty years that show. Um, you know, and ever since it's been now down there in California, it's or you know, sorry, Southern California. Um, yeah, it's a great show. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. and it, you know, guys coming in from out of town, they can they can make a week and they can hit you know twenty shops. They're they're starting. They're, there's uh, Eric Brockmeyer came down with a group of people that had a, like a a set tour. They hit like Peterson Museum up. They hit a bunch of these hot rods. I didn't even get to see him. He said he was coming yeah. in. I said let's let's meet up. He goes, oh, I'm on I'm on this tour. I'm on tour. What? The, what do you mean you're on a tour? Come over. Yeah, you know exactly. So no. yeah, and. You, and Gary developed something very similar. It's called uh, Hot Rod Week, and we do it in his memory now, and it's always around Pleasanton. And he started that 22, 23 years ago where everybody would pull into the Pleasanton Hilton parking lot Sunday night before the week before the show, and then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, everybody bombs around in Northern California going to shops. And, uh, you know, it starts out on Monday with probably 75 cars. And by the time Thursday rolls around, there's three, 400 cars on it. Wow. And they still do it. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun. And there's nothing better. I mean, your dad, Boyd, would, I mean, he loved road stuff and getting the cars out of the road. Because when you see a pack of hot rods going down the road 100 deep, I mean, it gives you chills. It makes my, I got goose flesh just thinking about it. Because <laughs> I've, gotten to, I've gotten to photograph so many of those those runs over the year and i mean it just makes people freak out they get so happy when they see the cars and i haven't experienced anything else in my life that makes people that pulls emotions out of people quite like hot rods on the open road you know yeah no some of some of my uh, fond memories were road trips i mean just hot, yeah. rod, hot rod road trips you know i know i and i've i've told this story i know people get that listen to this quite often get bored about my story about Driving with my dad and Shazoom to a good guy's indie that one year. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It, was, it was amazing. So we're talking about early 90s, and it was amazing at how many people had cameras in their cars. Like it was, you know, this yeah. like digital. Digital was, digital was another 10 years away, yeah. you know, or more. Right. But people oh, had right. these disposable cameras or regular cameras uh, in their cars driving down the highway, yeah. taking pictures of, yeah, yeah you know, it was a trip. No, it's a trip, you know. But that's but that's why yeah. that's why hot rods are built, you know. To exactly. En to en share en and, enjoy and, them, and and that's a big part of the good guy shows, right? It's an outdoor yeah. show. You drive your car there, you drive it out, and then you come back the next day. Yeah, and at you, least, what's that? Yeah, at least half the guys drive them. Yeah, true, right? But I mean, that's the point, right? And then you know, yeah. um, and then you know, a lot of these towns. Uh, have you know, their little downtown areas or whatever, and the guys are driving around. You know, it's just it's a good weekend. You know, what, what, yeah. wherever you're yeah. at, you know, it always trips me out. And not a good guy show, but the NSRA Street Ride Nationals in Louisville. It just amazes me, like how many people they put their their all their chairs during in the morning. They'll set all their chairs up at the entrance and exit, and they'll get out yeah. there. And because there's you know eleven thousand cars, it's it's a parade of cars, and and it's just that's part of their little trip is to sit there and just watch the cars leave. That's it. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. And, and I mean they're yeah there's thousands of them, and they'll sit there for six hours just watch the ingress <laughs> and egress of the show. Yeah, right. It's 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 totally it's amazing. That's cool though. It's glad I'm I'm glad to you know that there's that that kind of support and that people are into it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. What, what are absolutely. your, you know, what what were your some of your favorite um, times there at Good Guys over the years? Oh man, I mean, you like, know, what, it's what, so what, hard. I mean, twenty. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, because you know, you you emceed and 
you know, you kind of like on some aspects, you know, you were, you know, to a lot of people, you're the face of good guys, depending on what they were doing, you know. Um, So, I mean, you know, I mean, you interacted with the vendors, you knew, like you talked about, you, you, you got the, the, the participants, you know, the builders, you know. I mean, it just seems yeah, like it seems you know, like it was just all one big experience. It was one big giant experience, and you know, a couple things come to mind. I was so fortunate to work for Gary Metters. Um, he was a cool guy. I mean, just really genuine, just like your dad Boyd. I mean, they were actually really friendly dudes, and they were they loved to laugh and cut up. And I never even really viewed Gary as being a boss. He was like a homie, kind of, yeah. you know? And and he was just, we had the best time. I mean, can you imagine being 25 years old, getting paid to fly around the country and hang out with hot rodders over a weekend and give out some cool awards and talk on a microphone? I mean, it was really a dream job. And I got to see so much of the country. And I would have never been able to do that if I were a salesman or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Just working for a corporation or something. So, And I got to see America, and I can tell you, it, it doesn't get much better than California because I went everywhere and I saw everything. Yeah. And there's a reason why there's you know 38 million of us in this state. Uh, but I wouldn't have known that had I not had the opportunity to travel. And you know what's funny, man? I know my way around a lot of those towns. I know it's so <laughs> random. I can go to Des Moines, Iowa. I can go to Des Moines, Iowa and tell you how to get somewhere without even using the freeway. Like it's a trip because you go, you know, you go to these places so many years in a row. You just become, you know, where all the hot spots are, where the restaurants are. But if I were to boil it all down into like what, what some of my best memories are, you know, it's just the passion of the people that I got to see on display because everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different car, but the ones that would really pull my heartstrings were the family cars that were kept in the same family for generations, like four generations had the same car. Um, and they would update it every 10 years and, and redo it and spin it. And I, that stuff just really, really hit home and made me happy deep inside. You know, it's just, so many families involved. It was really a lot of fun. And Gary, you know, the Metters were a family. They were my family. I literally spent more time with the Metters family than I spent with my own family. Uh, you know, obviously, all those years we toured. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, I miss that guy. I miss, you know, when you have we have a booth at the show, whatever show it was, he'd come by and he'd just say, how you doing? How's your mom? You know, I mean, just, yeah. just super cool. I mean, just uh, I miss that, you know. I mean, uh, because we, it, it all kind of started, you know, I mean, it all started real grassroots and I mean, it got really big. It's still super huge, you know? Um, yeah, it is. It, it's, it's a billion just, dollar industry, but I still felt like on a personal level, these guys all kind of, yeah, like you said, he was a homie. He was just like, Hey, this is, you know, and, and he never came out and said it, but you know, you, you almost be like, isn't this cool? Like, it's still this big, but we're still hanging out, you know? We're still car guys, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, he taught me so much about business. I mean, you know, I mean, <laughs> I really didn't get it. I was just out there having fun. And, and you know, I mean, he would – he taught me all about business, taught me about numbers, taught me about, you know, crowds and how if there's more than four people waiting in line to buy a ticket, you open another ticket window. You never make somebody wait to give you their money. You know what I'm right? saying? Oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, he was just all about customer service. And trust me, if Gary, because Gary, you know, he drove in just like a car guy every time. And he would purposely wait till about eight o'clock on Saturday morning to come into the show because he wanted to see how it was all flowing. Right. Yeah. And I mean, he if, if he got stuck a mile out, oh, shit, the phone would ring. God damn it. What are you doing? We got to get the gates rolling. Are you crazy? I mean, we heard about it, man. If it wasn't flowing, it was hilarious. Yeah, right. I mean, because, you know, it's pe- people don't. Yeah. I mean, because the last thing you want is people to go back and go, well, the show was cool, but we didn't get to be. We weren't able to roll into the show until 1030 because we were stuck in line and this and that. No. Right. Exactly, exactly. And good guys shows, man, I'm telling you, they flow pretty seamlessly, and it was all because of Gary. He never wanted people to wait to have a good time. Well, and like you said earlier, there's a blueprint, and he was the – it seemed like he was the, the, the mastermind behind the blueprint, you know? 
Absolutely. Yeah. I never met anybody that was as organized and, and knew the promotion game better than him. I mean, very impressive. And I, I guess you could say Wally Park is very similar. Uh, Wally was Gary's mentor. Uh, Gary really looked up to Wally. And, you know, I would have to say when it comes to full scale, large outdoor production of events, good guys could hang with anybody, including NHRA, you know? Oh, yeah. No, I mean it's it just it it's it's uh, stood the test of time, and like you said, you you, you it, it's it's a, like I said, it's a, it's the same experience, but it's different at every every venue, you know. I mean, because it's it's ran this it's ran the same. It's just you know the the people you're in a different state. And that's it, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, just it's amazing at some of the you know some of the shows in the Midwest in the middle of summer. You know, like Des Moines, it's you know super hot and it's flooding and it's raining but people are out the next day you know they're out there absolutely yeah yeah, yeah like they're you, hardy they're really hardy like you talk about um you talk about uh you know the family cars i i, I gotta agree with you like especially because you know it's very rare for me like especially selling wheels it's very rare that you you talk to women at all or wives involved but it's always cool when they are involved um, and then when you go to these shows and it's just like, look, you know, these, the, the, the high dollar builders, you know, they'll, they'll build a couple cars a year, you know, one every two years, whatever. But some of these families, they put a lot, a lot of time and money into these things and it takes them 10 years and they finally get to a good guy show. And they're like, look, this car has been in my family for 30 years. And over the last 10 years, we've been rebuilding this car and we're finally here at a good guy show showing it off. You know, and it's yeah. just like that's that's the most important part. That's what that's like the glue that holds these good guy shows together. You know, absolutely, you absolutely. Know? And you know, it's our responsibility as promoters to give that guy a cool spot to park, give him a great event, give him a great midway to go shopping on, give him some cool bands to watch. Like you know, we took that responsibility very seriously because we knew that those cars meant everything to those families and. And uh, we worked really hard to give them a cool playground to show them off on. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, because for, for every, uh, you know, name, whatever big-name builder you want, for one of those guys, there's hundreds of just guys doing this stuff in the garage, you know, that just can't yeah. w- can't wait to get it to get it to a good guy show. Or just even get it to the local yeah. donut, donut shop on a Saturday morning, you know? exactly yeah no it's uh it's fun i like it are you now are now let's talk about let's talk about what you're doing now because you still do a little bit for good guys but you left a little over a year ago um to get yeah, out into a different industry right yeah um, i went into the beverage industry um i worked for a guy named scott holly that I met at Good Guys, oh, geez, 15 years ago. And Scott is a friend of Roy Brizio's and, you know, Roy's family. Yeah. And Scott and I were friends for years. And after 28 years, I got to tell you, you know, there's, there, was, there were a number of reasons why I got out of the car show business on a full-time basis. Um, primarily, you know, one of the, the main things that wore, wore, wore me down was travel. I mean, air travel in in these modern times is a pain in the ass and Southwest (laughs) does a really good job. Southwest does a good job of getting you there on time, but it's miserable. I mean, you got to freaking check in on your phone 24 hours in advance and you got to be, you can't be late on that. You're going to get in C60 and you know, you cram in there. I'm six foot five. I've lost a bunch of weight. I'm only 230 pounds now, but I used to weigh 305 bills and you know, you'd go flying around the country on these little planes and then you get to the hotel, and you got noise in the hotel. And let me just tell you something about car guys staying at hotels. Oh, yeah. They don't yep. sleep in. <laughs> they don't sleep in, man. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Yeah. No. You, they, you know, they, the air tra- – I got to – you know, and that's one thing. Yeah, I'm glad you're touching on it because that, you know, hitting up every other week, you know, 23 weekends a year. Uh, that's that's yeah. rough. I mean, I'm flying out tomorrow morning. I'm flying out to Lone Star Throwdown in Texas. So, oh, it, good it, luck it, to you. That's it, a cool show. Yeah, it's a cool show, and um, 
Yeah, and I'm flying on Spirit Airlines, so help me on that one. But, oh, good yeah. luck. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> In the plastic seat, you know. Hey, it's a cheap ticket. Oh, wait, your carry-on? That's uh, 50 bucks. Oh, hey, you want to bring a bag of chips? That's a 60 bucks. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. Uh, you want an oxygen mask? That's 100 <laughs> Yeah, right? So, yeah, no, I get I mean, I just – travel's rough if you're not prepared for it. Yeah. And then, you know what? Missing flights, weather, oh, that'll ruin, that'll ruin your weekend. You know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the combination of doing it for so long and just the travel. I mean, listen, pre-9-11, you know, after 9-11, airline travel sucked. But pre-9-11, it was rock star, man, because we flew on United. And, you know, we all had miles and they had movies on the plane. They'd serve you a full course dinner. And, like, it was good times. And then 9-11 changed everything in airline travel, as you know. And it's just a hassle. It's a hassle anymore. And, you know, I did it. I did it long enough to know that I didn't want to do it for another 10 years. So Scott offered me a position in sales. Uh, we own a bottling company, a uh, beverage, beverage company. We do wholesale food service mostly. And so it's a completely different industry. And anybody that's out there listening, I'd like to just say that when you completely shift gears in life and learn an entirely new industry in an entirely entirely new language, it's scary as hell. But if you can make it, if you don't pull the plug and you press through, man, I'm telling you, it is. I have learned so much in just 12 months that I've been in this beverage business. I mean, it's a trip. I mean, it really is a trip. And I'm late in life. I'm 53 years old, so I want to make this my last career move. Yeah. And But it's doable. And you grow so much. And I'm so glad I did it. And I stuck it out through some lean times. I mean, it was hard. Transitioning is not easy. But you can do it. And when you get through the other side, man, it's going to pay big dividends. Um, having said that, I really miss a lot of the creativity I got to work in, in good guys because being a media guy and being a writer and a photographer, I got to constantly create stuff, content and get paid well for it. And I really miss that. So luckily good guys called me not too long ago and they said, Hey, listen, did you know, Chris, that the, the good guys gazette's going on the newsstand? No, no, I did not know that. Yeah. So they got a chance to go on the newsstand and you know, it's no secret that 25 uh, media magazine titles got axed uh, four five, six months ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So good guys had an opportunity. So they're going to put the Gazette on the newsstand and they're looking for some new columnists and whatnot. So they asked me if I'd write a, a kind of a nostalgic column talking about the old days. So it's going to be called retro rumblings and, uh, it, I'm going to be a columnist in the magazine, so I get nice. to play and participate. And uh, yeah, it's really interesting. And one of the first columns I wrote was called Loyalty, and it was actually about Boyd and Gary, and about the uh, how they came together in the mid '80s, and how Boyd was such a towering influence in the start of Good Guys because when Gary left NSRA. I mean, everyone's like, how's he going to do it? Like, who's going to go to his stuff? He's never going to make it. And Boyd partnered with Gary, and he rode with Metters, and he said, we're going to do the pros picks. We're going to pick the top ten cars at some of your shows. And that meant everything to Gary because it legitimized the circuit he was trying to create to have Boyd Coddington come pick the top cars at his award. I remember. And so. Yep. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, I I remember just, you, and you know what? I have, um. So before I think before the billet trophies got popular, they were it was jackets. Every one of those winners got a jacket, and yeah. those things still pop up. Like people just don't know what they have or whatever. They're over it. They they get rid of them. Yeah. And they'll pop up on eBay from time to time. <laughs> we and, need to get one of those. You know, and Greg and I have <laughs> Greg and I have got our hands on a couple of them. A couple pros pick jackets. So yeah, those are rare right there. But that's I remember, you know, Dick and Melville used to fly into whatever the location was they were doing it, and you know, my dad would be there, and it, it, I remember that was a big deal. That was that was a big. It was deal. a really, yeah, and and that's why Gary and Boyd were were so loyal to each other through the years because I mean it all started when Boyd said, you know what matters, I'm going to go with you, 
And, I mean, that just totally legitimized the, the whole good guy circuit early on. And, I mean, 1987 was the first year that Gary and Marilyn did national shows, good guy shows. And Boyd was doing the prospects, man. And uh, it meant everything. And so in my, my column, um, I talk about how that all went down and about how, how much it meant to everybody. And then I also talked about, after Boyd passed, how Joe Coddington and Bobby Alloway and uh, Mark Metters and Gary Metters, they all got together, and we didn't know what to do. Like, should we continue to do the prospects? And I think, Chris, you were involved in some of those conversations as well, and it was decided, you know, let's leave the pros pick name. Let's let that rest with Boyd. And so we created the, the Builder's Choice Awards yes. out of that. So, and, you know, and now all the top builders from around the country get to pick the Good Guys Builders Choice Awards in their certain region. Um, so the baton was passed, but the, the mold was laid down by Boyd. Yeah. And like I said, man, that, that was just, that meant more to Gary. I'm telling you. Cool well, and, and, and you know what? The, the pros pick meant a lot, you know, and, and Gary meant a lot to my dad. And, 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 you know, my dad's, my dad's sole mission besides building the coolest hot rods out there where it was to legitimize hot rodding. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, I yes. mean, uh, he, he grew up at a time where, you know, hot rodding was kind of fringe and, you know, it, it you know, I mean, he, his whole, you know, he got early on in the seventies, he was like, Hey, you go to the banks and say, Hey, I'm starting a business. I want to get a business. Like, well, what do you do? And well, I'm going to build hot rods. And like, well, hot rods. What the shit? You know, like, you know, I mean, it was like one level above being a, a outlaw biker at that, you know, to, in, in most people's right. eyes, you know, and, you know, and, yeah. and to him, he was just like, he wanted to pioneer this thing and just, he just wanted to see hot rodding grow, and he knew that people gathered at car shows, and he liked Gary, and he liked what was going on, and that pros pick was a big thing to him, really big thing, and I'm, I'm, it was a big yeah. thing to everybody, you know? I mean, people, st yeah. I still get people that, yeah, I got a pros pick from your dad back in whenever, you know, whatever the time frame was, and that's like the highlight oh, yeah. of, their, of their little hot rod hobby, you know? That's cool. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Boyd was successful in his aim to make hot rodding mainstream and to make a legitimate, um, you know, they went public. Hot Rods by Boyd was a publicly traded company at one point, as you well know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, I can remember flying back east somewhere and reading Boyd was on the cover of the USA Today. So, I mean, he was the closest thing a hot rodder ever got to being a household name in America. Yep. Yeah, and, 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 and that's when, when the TV show came around. Um, you know, I think he kind of, you know, as far as the AMBRs and all those other awards, and he, he already, you know, he already accomplished that. And, and for him, he wanted to take it to the next level. And he saw, he saw how, you know, um, you know the American Chopper guys, nothing against them, the good guys, uh, but they didn't have a career, they didn't have anything established before TV, you know? So I think right, exactly. He, he was like, "Holy shit!" When when and I was with him when he got the call from the production company. They got the green light to do the pilot on um, American Hot Rod, and and I was like, in my mind, I, you know, I I had discovery, and I was watching American Chopper, and I said, "Dad, you know, is it going to be goofy like the you know, it, you know was it me and you yelling at each other and shit, you know, or you know?" And he was like, oh, yeah, no, no, no." I go, he goes, "Just trust me, just trust me," you know, because he wanted it, to, yeah. like you said, household name. You know, he wanted to take oh, yeah. it to that next level. And, and you know what? Uh, in 2008, and I've said this before on the show, but, um, you know, every year Google and Yahoo put out the top 10 names of people searched that year that passed away. And my dad was number eight of that, you know. I and, don't doubt that at all. No, yeah. he, on Yahoo, he was the number eight search name of, of someone that, that died in 2008. And, you know, George Carlin, Bernie Mac. Uh, you know, and there's there's other big names. I can't yeah. think of them right now, but but yeah, that that kind of put it into perspective for me. I was like, holy shit, that's a big absolutely, that's a and, big deal. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? The trip is Butera. Little John Butera died. I think within like what three or four months of Boyd. No, 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 not even that. Uh, a few weeks. A few weeks. Can yeah, you it, it, was, I mean, it was a few weeks. Guys, yeah, it, those it, two guys. I mean, what are the odds that two of the biggest titans in hot rodding would pass within weeks of each other? I yeah. mean, and they were, you know, they revolutionized the look of hot rodding. They yep. were 
the titans of the smoothie scene. I mean, they were the guys. Yeah, and, and all living within a few miles of each other, right? I mean, yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, and you know, it's just a trip that they both departed right around the same time. Yeah, I mean, my dad's was pretty quick. I mean, he got he fell ill right around New Year's and passed away. Um, he passed away on on the twenty seventh. So it's coming up. It's coming up next Thursday is anniversary. Uh, and then God bless him. And then John John was dealing with his illness for a while, but you know, um, and that, that's a reason that we're doing this podcast is. You know, we just lost another one. And I got to say, and I, we're going to do a little tribute, uh, but Dennis Fignetti, who we've had on the podcast, longtime photographer. He photographed for the last 10 years uh, of my dad's cars. Um, he mm-hmm. passed passed away very quickly, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was a guy who's only maybe 70, 71. Um, you know, Bob Bowder passed away not too long, you know, two, three years ago. Pete Sapporis, Gary Metters. I mean, you start going down the list and it's like, for me, I, you know, I say it very crudely sometimes, but I'm like, we got to get these fucking guys on on the show because yeah. they're they're, they're talking about because they're they're dying on us. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I no, mean, they are, and these stories go with them once they're gone. They're they're yeah, they're going. And you know what? We were fortunate enough to get some of these guys on, but you know what? This is a generation too that I've said you know they went they went very hard in in, in the hot rodding and, and they put everything into it. But you know what? The diet, exercise. Uh, uh, all the other stuff that was like, yeah, who gives a shit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, we are, you know, so it's like, I don't know. I, I just, I want to get more and more people on and just talk about these stories, you know? Okay. So I have, I have a suggestion. The guy you got to get on is Steve Anderson, former features editor, at hot rod magazine yes. that drove Cadzilla. Yes. On its maiden voyage across country. Now, I just talked to Steve two weeks ago. We used to work together at Good Guys. He was the editor of Good Guys for a while. And we're still friends. And he loves to talk, number one. Number two, he's an OG. I mean, he was there for the road trip across America in Cadzilla, sitting in the passenger seat. And he drove the car. I mean, you've got to get him on, so I'm going to connect you guys. Yeah, no, and you know what? It's, listen, I, I, it's been years since I've seen that guy and talked to him. But we'd love to have him on. Absolutely. Yeah, because that'll be a killer interview. And he's living in Colorado. Um, and, you know, he's retired. And, I mean, I know you would love to come on and talk oh, to you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know what? It's And you know what? The, the, the hardest thing is, is just coordinating these people. And, and, you know, a lot of these guys are like, what's a podcast? What do you mean? We're going to just talk? Yeah, and people somebody, are gonna, somebody wants to listen to you guys talk. Like. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's there's so many people – that that I know that have so many cool stories and they don't even know they, they don't even realize that their stories are cool. Yeah. Like everyone else. Like, yeah. Everyone that's kind of, you know, cause it, it's funny. Cause I got a, I got an email from a guy that, uh, when he listened to my mom's podcast cause we had her on last week and <laughs> he was, he, he kind of was like, Oh, this sounds like the Chris Coddington show. You kept interrupting her, your mom and this and that and blah, blah, blah. You let her talk. And it's like these people, you gotta understand like people have an expect like, as a spectator, you know, it's kind of like when you read a book and then the movie comes out. Yeah. Like your imagination yeah. runs wild and you have these expectations and then the movie comes out and it's like, well, they didn't, they didn't do this. It's like, you know, I'm sure they see my mom on, on American hot rod or they, you know, they, they have all these, they want her to say certain things. And it's just like, yeah, you know, I mean, maybe that's maybe you need to, she's do. telling the long story. She's, you know, we got chapters with her. We were, we're on chapter yeah, two. We you just know, sad, and, and not so. only that, but maybe th- that's like, that's the kind of guy that maybe wants to ask her specific questions, yeah. right? Or, you know what I'm saying? I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to document it as best as possible. And, you know. Well, maybe you we know, should open it up like wait, that. Wait. Yeah. One of the funniest things I ever witnessed in my career in hot rodding was when we roasted Boyd at Pomona. Oh, that was great. And Dude. it was legendary. That was... I mean, legendary. Did now did any I mean, did anybody yeah. videotape that? Yes, I think we did, and I think you know Joe Molina, JMPR. Yeah. Okay, so Joe staged that entire production. He was the producer of that entire roast, and he got Tim Allen to do pre-recorded video segments. We had Little John Butera up there telling the stories of like the very beginning. Diane, your mother was hilarious. <laughs> And if footage does exist of that show, it's got to be made into a video because that was the 
funniest oh. damn thing. I mean, there were 500 people in the audience, and nobody had a dry eye. I mean, it, everyone was just peeing their pants laughing that, so hard. It you was know the what? best night. That, and, and I think the original poster, did Chip draw that original poster? I think he might have. No. Who did? No, you know who draw you know who did all those hot rod heroes roasts? And Gary started those hot rod heroes roasts and they were pretty damn awesome. But Dave Bell did the artwork for all did of them. Did he? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that was that was funny. Because when was that? Would that would that would have been like ninety four, ninety five? You know what you know what's a trip? I literally have the button on my bookshelf and Come I on. just walked up to it. It was 1994. Wow. And it was in Pomona at the Spring Rodden Custom Nationals. Okay, so here's the button. It has Boyd in, in, a, in a roadster holding a little, like, baton, like Bam Bam. And then you've got Chip, Purple Pete, Brad Fanshawe, and Dick Brogdon all carrying him like he's on a float. <laughs> hey, listen. Oh, hey, seriously. After we're done or right now, whatever – Take a picture of that and send it to me. I will. We're gonna we'll we'll add it to the Instagram post uh, when we post it. That's funny. That those were good times. Oh yeah, that was that yeah. was funny. I remember. I'm, you know what? Go ahead. Yeah, and what's so weird about it is I just I have the button sitting right here, and I also have the button from Tech Smith and Tom Medley's Hot Rod Hero roast in 1993. So that would have been the year before that. Okay. Two little heirlooms I, I kept. But I'll send you the Boyd one because it is really, really good. <laughs> Dude. Uh, you know, yeah, that was uh, – God, I remember that. I remember that. That was funny. That stuff – Yeah, it was I mean, funny. Especially if – to look back at the video, I mean, my memory is a little fuzzy on that. I remember my mom talking. I remember the stuff going on, but – um, man, I could just just some of the characters that were there that aren't with us anymore, you know. That oh yeah, just... Are, yeah, very. A lot of them are gone. But hey, your mom, you know, because I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the wives they have the truth. I mean, they they're <laughs> right? the ones that really know the story. And your mom did not pull any punches, man. She was so good; it was hilarious. Yeah, my mom and my mom. My mom is not shy about getting up in front of people. She is not. No, no she, 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 yeah. she, she loves doing that stuff. Yeah, those yeah, are good. She times. crushed it. <laughs> those are some. That that was some good times back then. Yeah. Do you have? I mean, do you have any specific any any besides the roast? Right. Any uh, funny stories that pertain to my dad? Um. You know, Boyd and I. Uh, Boyd and I were. We went. We had brief interactions. I just can remember. You know, he always had trouble getting into the event because, you know, he would show up a little on the later side sometimes. <clears throat> and so these guys that wanted to prospect and park in the area, I mean, they wanted to get there at 2.30 in the morning on Saturday if they could, oh, right. right? Yeah. So there would literally be hundreds of hot rod guys parked in the dark out on the road leading into the facility. And so we had to break the event gates to get these guys all in. But Boyd would never allow us to let him into the pros pick area until he personally got there to shake their hand. So I can remember, I can remember all kinds of radio chatter. Boyd's at the back gate. He's all pissed off and he can't get in. And so we, we would have to go escort him in. And I mean, these guys, you know, these guys have been waiting now since two 30 in the morning and now it's like eight 30 and Boyd's finally in position to, to break open the gates. And, and these guys would all cruise in. And I remember, there were some stressful moments trying to get everything coordinated. Um, and, you know, your dad and I's interactions were fairly brief because I was just a snot-nosed kid. He was always really cool to me. Um, but, you know, we'd always call him up and he'd pass out the awards. But just seeing him, the man himself, greet all these people that would come in from all over the different parts of the country. And the funniest part of all of it, though, was when some guy would pull up in a shit box and the look <laughs> on your dad's face, and it's like, it's like, bro, you've got a four-door 38 Chevy yellow with wire wheels, man, and lumps <laughs> down the side of your car. It's like, are you sure you want to come in here? And he would just say, okay, come on in. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and you, you know what? And my dad was – he would always tell us. He's like, listen. He goes, you He goes, you may not be into all these cars, you know, but he's like, look, you really – 
got to respect and appreciate the guy that's you know has put his heart and soul into something you know and he's he, he did a fairly decent job of sticking to his plan you know um oh yeah you know because you don't want to just he didn't want he never wanted to come in and shit on anybody's deal because he, he was that guy you know early on that just you know putting stuff to, trying to figure things out and figure out which way he was going with things you know um, yeah, absolutely. And he, he was always kind. I mean, he never, he never bragged on people and he, you know, and like I said, I mean, the guy would pull up in this, in this car and he'd just say, are you, you know, Hey, come on in. And we, we'd be like, are you sure you want to go in here, dude? And he'd be like, yep. Okay. Boyd, Boyd would wave him on and then he'd get his spot in the prospect and park. And, uh, you know, and I remember Melba, I remember Dick and Melba. So Dick and Boyd would walk around and, and like, you know, select the car and Melba would kind of jot down the notes. And then she would bring uh, – so Boyd would start, you know, walking around 930 um, with, with Purple Pete and Dick, and they'd, they'd kind of, you know, make their selections and whatnot. And then Melba would bring bring the notepad with the 12 uh, – the uh, I think we did 10 at the time. She would bring the names, the hometowns, the year-making model. And then we'd type up the award slips and – and it was like a well-oiled machine. But I was just impressed with, with how consistent Boyd was in getting it right. I mean, he always picked the right cars. Yeah, I remember um, – I remember I, f- I forget who it was, but there was one time where he – gosh, this must have been – I don't know. I forget where it was Del Mar or something, but he he picked some cars. But I think he was running late or something, and he allowed – I forget. I don't want to – I don't want to throw the name around if I'm wrong, but someone else working at the shop pick a couple cars, and it then came around the corner, and he goes, "Can you pick this son of a gun?" He goes, "You know, he was just like, come on, you know." I mean, because yeah. you know, yeah. he was like, you know, I don't know, I, I but I did that just maybe it was one of those times that just kind of, you know, reiterated to him, you know, like, hey, look, I need to be at these things and picking all these cars, but it's you know, and I yeah, and, and it's one of those things where. It, you know, we we've been doing the the Boyd Kinds memorial pick now since he's passed away. I know, um, you know, Joe did the first pick, and then me and Greg have done the pick since, and he's been you know with me some years and not with me some. Um, but it's a hard choice. It's a hard. It's I think it's easier if you have a group of cars and you're picking five to ten cars. You know, when you oh just, he, yes for sure right because you know I mean. When you're picking just one, it's it's a tough gig. So it's a real tough gig, and you know, and it has to be. It has to represent your dad's passion. You do such a good job of that. It has to represent Boyd's passion, Boyd's style. Um, there's got to be the story, uh, you know, and it'll take you the full weekend to figure out who should get it, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, and that, that's the thing is when we go to the shows, and I know I'm picking the, the car. I got to get there early on Saturday, and. I'm I'm picking it. I'm 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 spend half the morning, you know, trying to figure it out. And you know what I'll do is, and if Greg can't make it to the shows, um, like I did in uh, in uh, Scottsdale last year, yeah, I'm sending yeah. him I'm sending him pictures, and we're texting back and forth. And I'm like, what do you think here? What do you think here? You know, so yeah, because it it does mean something, and they all they all mean you know, it's it's an it's an important a choice for us, you know, it's an important award. So absolutely. And you kept the legacy going and, and that's what was so cool. You know, another quick Boyd story. I remember, you remember when Chrysler 300s came out with the cab forward and they were pretty sleek looking. They were pretty cool. Yeah. I want to say this is probably 96 or 97 and your dad had one. And, uh, I think it was like a kind of an off white, like kind of a pearl white. He either had the, uh, it, 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 I, it might not have been a Chrysler 300, but it was definitely one of those Chrysler cars. And he had it down, down the weeds on, on his wheels. I think it was like, what LHS. I, was it LHS? Yes, it was. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, it was an LHS. And I was out working the front gate at Pomona at our spring nationals. And he comes rolling in. And I'm just like, man, this thing is so badass. Just look at how clean and simple it is. Because you know this better than anybody. I mean, a set of wheels and a stance is everything. Oh, yes. And, yeah. So he comes rolling in. And I'm like, Damn, that looks good. So I went out and I bought a smoked gray Chrysler 300C, and uh, I called your dad, 
and I said, I'd really like those clean five spokes. I can't even remember what model they were back then, but it, you know, and I was thinking I was going to have to pay 450 bucks a corner. They say, you know what, kid, you've been so nice to me over the years. You, you've helped me out at show so much. I'm going to give them to you for 200 bucks per corner. And I was just like, what? That was just the coolest thing. Nice. So your dad cut me the, cut me the sweetheart deal on some wheels back in the day. No, that's awesome. Yeah, those. Yeah, uh, and that car, that car looked really good, man. I I just kind of half-assed cut the coils, and you know, it was it, it really looked good, but it had a terrible vibration from like fifty to fifty-five miles an hour, almost to where like the wheel got out of your hand. But oh, I powered no. through that. Well, you stuff. know, you know that I wasn't powered the, through it. That wasn't the wheels, John. It wasn't the wheels. <laughs> no, it wasn't the wheels. It was, it was definitely the toe-in for sure. It wasn't right. the wheels. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, because he had an LHS, and I think it was the three hundred before the three hundred C. It was a three hundred M, right? Isn't that what they <laughs> Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I remember. Uh, yeah, no, that was that was cool. yeah, because that would have been around ninety nine, two thousand, ninety eight. Yeah, and you know, yeah, yep. And you know, the reality is, is that boy. You know, I mean, now the term when you when you hot rod something and tune it up, as far as in terms of your temporary cars, you're tuning it, right? And I mean, Boyd was tuning American cars, you know, contemporary '90s American cars back in the day before anybody was. I mean, uh, Superbell they had the truck thing down, but when it came to like giving the Boyd look to a to a later model car, he was really good at it. And there wasn't a whole lot of people doing it at the time. Yeah, and he, he his thing was Cadillacs for a while, and then it was um, Mercedes, like Mercedes wagons. He had a few of those. Yeah, and they, I remember yeah. my, one of my favorite wagons was uh, he had a black wagon with tri fans on it, and I think oh, maybe clean. seventeen inch tri fans back in the day. Yeah, on a hammer yeah, down uh, have... wagon. Yeah, yeah, those Caprice, those Chevy Caprice wagons looked pretty good. I, there was those. There was a lot of those running around for a while. Yeah, slammed down. We had a bright yellow one that we bought from Moon Eyes, and uh, we swapped out the Moon Eyes logos and put Good Guys logos on it. We ran Moon Discs on it, and it was a pretty badass machine. It was neon yellow. Those are fun, and uh, those were yeah. yeah, those were cool cars. Yeah, yeah. I ended up I ended up getting one later on, like around two thousand two thousand one. I had one that on airbags and twenty inch wheels. That was fun. Yeah. Until someone rear-ended yeah. me and totaled it, but. You know, those are cool. And all yeah. that stuff's coming back, like all the, you know, uh, 88, 98 trucks and the Caprices and the, you know, the mid-90s Impalas and, and, and Caprice, all that stuff, you know? Yeah, you know, Tom Tom Taylor told me one time, he said, hot rodding is funny like that. He said, the pendulum just swings, like 10-year swings. What's what's cool 10 years ago is going to come back in another 10 years. And, and to your point, what you were just saying, those cars kind of coming back, I mean, it's just, you know the pendulum just swings it well, really does well look, look at it look what happened um you know with uh the with pro street what what did it turn into pro touring right i mean yep you exactly know, i mean and then just and that's another thing with good guys the autocross right i mean that kind of yeah. that really rejuvenated a lot uh, a, a whole segment of just, just well, it really, it really did, and that all went down in the late '90s when Mark Stilo did the one lap of America. He's, you know, he's he's gone on to do great things with General Motors, but I mean, he really is the godfather of pro touring because he was able to build an American muscle car that could go around corners with suspension that he and Kyle Tucker built together, and then of course they both went on to great things, and Kyle went on to form Detroit Speed. But I mean, the, I was there for the birth of the pro touring movement popular hot rodding i got my friend cameron evans a job at popular hot rodding and the whole street machine thing you know this really well it was canfield it was decoin illinois street machine nationals 50 57 chevys that were pink with tunnel rams and mickey thompson meets and fake yeah, right? parachutes and shit yeah. and that fake was parachutes. What, that was a street machine yeah, yeah that, right that was a street yeah that was a street machine and now a street machine is you know a 68 camaro that can out corner a bimmer, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's 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 awesome. It's awesome to see. I mean, it's that's it's like a whole. I mean, there there. I've I've just noticed too. So you got you got the good guys is now just not just one group of people going there. You got people that just go to good guys for the autocross, right? And they're not even. Absolutely. They might not even be interested in the rest of what's going on. You know, which is fine. Absolutely, it's, it's fine, right? Because. 
it's I think it's segmented, but it's it's everyone's there at the same venue enjoying it. You know. Well, and more than that, I mean, it put noise and it put movement into the event because back in the day. You know, in the 90s, I mean, Gray Baxterville used to call them rod parks because everybody just sat in their lawn chairs and looked at their cars and went out and got a hot dog and then went back to their lawn chair. Yeah. And so that's why that's why Gray said, we got to do something like, you know, tour these cars. And then that's why Hot Rod Power Tour was born in the early 90s because of that dilemma. And now with Good Guys Autocross, it's put so much movement and so much excitement into the event. And, you know, even if it's background noise, you know that something's going fast and someone's hauling ass on the property. And it just added a lot to the shows. And it was a big dimension to uh, to their deal. And, I mean, those things get really competitive. No, it's pretty cool, man. And, you know, and also, like, little exhibition stuff that you guys do, like, um, I don't know if you still do them at some of the venues, but the, uh, like, the tether cars. Like, that's cool as oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those tether cars are insane. I mean, that still brings those out. We did the uh, the valve cover races for the kids, where you put little wheels underneath the valve cover, like a little uh, soapbox derby, you know, type thing. Yeah, that's. Fun. I mean, it's all about getting people interactive and getting them involved in the event. I mean, we did so many promotions over the years. Holy crap, <laughs> we did so many things. <laughs> Well, it's been fun, man. You know, and it still continues to be fun. Now, now I know you got another gig going on, and you're freelancing uh, with the writing. But are you, do you make it out to any shows now? Yeah, I do actually. Scott and I, my boss, we went to Good Guys Nashville last summer to uh, compete for the Hot Rod of the Year. Scott has a Brizio five window, root beer brown, just a bitching car, um, and so he said we're going to nashville to compete for good guys hot rod of the year so he and i took off went back there i mean right out of the gate so i i was you know i worked there for so long i knew exactly what to do in terms of how to really compete for the award so i'm telling them i'm telling them hey listen when you get there you gotta let people know you're there dude you gotta you gotta flog this thing through the parking lot you gotta like do chirps i'm like you really gotta get on this thing man because you gotta hot rod this thing to win so he's like, okay, okay, no problem. So we get there. He starts tearing ass around the parking lot. Thing loses reverse. Like, I swear to God, oh, 10 minutes man. after we get to the venue. And we were we hadn't even lined up yet to get in the line to compete for the road tour to go on Hot Rod of the Year. So he loses reverse. We're backed up against the curb. We have to have Denny, Denny Cheezar and uh, Larry Brunkala of Hot, Precision Hot Rods. They come over, and it's got a monthly rock crusher in it, right? And it just won't come out of reverse. So these guys, thankfully, they saved our ass. Denny and, and Larry got under the car. They disconnected reverse. They got us going. So we had four forward gears in the car the whole weekend. But we had the best time, man. We were hauling ass around Nashville in four gears. And we made top five. And Bobby Alloway gave us one of his picks. So we doubled up. We got top five for Hot Rod of the Year, and we got an Alloway's pick. And uh, it was just a killer weekend. And Nashville's such a great town. I highly recommend that show to anybody. Yeah, and you know what? Now that they moved it to June, I think I'm going to try to make it out there this year. Yeah, it's yeah, it's going to be warm, but so what? It's hot in Nashville. Oh, man, that it's all right. just... Nashville, Nashville's such a great town. I know. And, and oh, I, we've talked about town. it several times on this show about Nashville. It's a good town. but And, and you know what? So, so was that one of your first – times that you were able to go to a good guy show as a spectator yes it was and it was so weird <laughs> to be sitting there during the award ceremony not announcing and i was just sitting there i didn't know what to do so, that's so awesome you know, i was just yeah that's... so i just took out my cell phone and started filming video of scott getting his top five award and uh yeah it was a trip but i go out to the pleasanton shows locally and you know um I looked at so many cars my whole life. Um, I just go to see the people anymore, you know, just go see my old buddies. Yeah. And, and I got to tell you, like uh, growing up in all this and, and, and as a kid working all the booths and, you know, and, and I need to have, I probably need to do a little bit more displaying at the shows, but I got burnt out for a long time and I needed to like take a step back and just go to the show as a spectator. And like you said, go talk to yep. the people, the people, uh, you yeah. know, I, I can go to any good guy show and I'm going to know tons of people that I've known for years and, or just maybe a, a couple years and just go talk to them, you know, and meet new people. Absolutely. It's fun. Absolutely. It's a fun time. It is fun. Well, are you going to, yeah. And it was cool though. 
it was cool not being married to the show for 16 hours because when you're working the show, man, there's no lunch break. There's no nothing. You are there for 16 hours. And it's so nice to roll in when you want, roll out when you want, and not be tied to anything. That was a refreshing experience. But right. I still miss I still miss the adrenaline of working the event, though, a little bit. Yeah, well, we miss you there, too, you know? We miss you there, but... You know, it's I appreciate it's, it, man. It's fun, man. Well, you know what? Hey, John, I had a great time talking to you, man. Yeah, this yeah. is you're an awesome guest, man. Yeah, dude, this is good, man. I know. You know what's gonna happen? We're gonna you're gonna get off the off the the, the phone here, and you're gonna be like, oh man, I should have talked about yeah. this or this. But we'll we'll have you back on again because there's still. I mean, you can't. We can't just cram uh, the almost the thirty years, twenty eight years of uh, of all these events and stories into like forty minutes. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Hour. Yeah, no, I got you. And it, it was so much fun talking. I mean, this really <laughs> this jogs some really good memory. Right? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, podcasts are awesome. I listen to them all the time, and I'm just happy to be a part of yours, man. Oh, well, dude, I appreciate it. But, you know, and, and good luck to, uh, on your new venture. And, uh, yeah, let me know if you need any help with any columns or anything with good guys, and I'm there to help, man. Because uh, – like the column's keep... called Retro Yeah, the column is going to be called Retro Rumblings, and I'm just going to tell old stories kind of like we did today, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And look for the Good Guys Gazette on newsfans nationwide starting with their May issue. Wow. That's going to be awesome. That's huge. That's so, so quick question. Are they changing the size of the magazine, or are they going to keep the same size? Check you out. Check out the big brain on Chris. Well, yes, okay. They are going to change the size. Okay. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Now, let me ask you, are advertising rates going up now? Uh, that's another question. Oh, now. no, they're going to go down. No, they're going down because it's going to be smaller. You're going to get in there for super cheap. Yeah. <laughs> right on. Good luck with that, buddy. Have, have, Good luck. Uh, whoever, whoever's handling that, have them send me the new ad, ad rate sheet. It's going to be double probably. No. But are, they are changing the size, though. Uh, they have to change the size, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they're going to change the size. and But, you know, I mean, hey, distribution's going to go up, so you're going to have to spend a little more. I get it. I get it. No, that's cool. But I'm happy. I'm happy. It's worth it. I mean, that magazine, yeah, that magazine's been published consecutively since 1988. I mean, they've never missed an issue. So, man, I put a lot of hours in that magazine over the years, man. I'm definitely going to go down to the newsstand and pick mine up. Well, and you know what? Uh, as far as bang for your buck, uh, it, it it's probably the best out there. And now that it's, it's just not uh, – you know, car show only, uh, member only kind of thing. I think it's you're going to see a, a a lot happening. You got it. Cool. Well, hey man, good luck to you. And uh, thanks, guys. Th- thanks for taking the time, man. This has been fun. I had a great time. Thanks again. All right, John. All right, John Drummond. Thank oh. you for coming on the show. From uh, me and Chris, Yo. we are out of here for this episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, John, is anywhere else they can find you online real quick before uh, we, we cut out with you? Um, Actually, no. I'm not actively Perfect. writing online or anything <laughs> for right now. But actually, that's not true because they're going to put these Retro Rumblings column on the good-guys.com website. Um, cool. So you will be able to read them online on good-guys.com. Right Perfect. on. Right on. Well, again, thank you guys for listening, and we will talk to you guys next time from Chris, John, and myself. Hot Rods by Boyd Podcast, we are out of here.